everyone, and welcome to episode 46 of Hidden Wings and Bloodlust. I'm your host, Rachel, and I'm not going to do the usual intro today. I'm just going to get straight into it, okay? So, today's episode is about ladybirds in Ukraine, and I'm going to talk about what species you can get there, and some bits I found about the importance of ladybirds in Ukrainian culture, and even how a Ukrainian woman got into the Guinness Book of Records for the highest number of ladybirds-related objects in her house ever recorded by one person. So this is quite a massive topic, as Ukraine is a huge country, and if you think that there are something like 47 different types of ladybird in the UK, and I still haven't actually discussed all of them, you'll appreciate that this is only just scratching the surface of how many there are. So if you're ready, let's get started. Ukraine is the largest country in Europe after Russia. It has a population of around 44 million people. In Ukraine, there are a wide range of climates and habitats. For example, in most of the country, there is a temperate climate, but towards the south, it is moderated by the Black Sea. Ukraine and Crimea, which um, is still legally a part of Ukraine, has a large number of endemic species of plants and animals that are found nowhere else. And according to a post on the iNaturalist forum by a user called CGBC, these include Lindholm's rock lizard, Crimean red deer, Kerch wheatgrass, the Donetsk rose, the Crimean bright bush cricket, a cave-dwelling rove beetle from Tyachiv in western Ukraine, which was only discovered in 2015, Crimean snow in summer, and a lichen from the chalky steppe grassland near Kharkiv, which was discovered in 2017. Ukraine also has got a number of interesting introduced species from the days of the USSR. For example, there is Bogdanov's thin-toed gecko, which has got a very, very small range in Uzbekistan, and it actually lives on the concrete in the city centre of Odessa. And it lives on concrete because there are no other suitable rocks nearby, so concrete is the best habitat for it. There are also Siberian red squirrels in Crimea and dull's lizards from the Caucasus that were introduced to Ukraine. So, with all of this biodiversity, it is no surprise that there are a lot of different types of ladybirds in Ukraine as well. So, the Ukrainian word for a ladybird is a sonechka, which is similar to the word for sun, which is sonsa, in both Russian and Ukrainian. In Russian, which is widely spoken in Ukraine, the word for ladybird is bozhaya korovka, which is God's little cow. In 2021, a Ukrainian woman called Nadia Komarova in a town called Dnipropetrovsk in Ukraine broke her own Guinness world record. And this world record was for having the largest collection of ladybird-themed items in the world. Her collection consists of at least 5,555 items, and this was confirmed in the Guinness Book of Records on the 21st of November 2019. And it all started when her father gave her mother a picture of a girl wearing a ladybird-dotted red dress when she was pregnant, and as a child, 
this picture was hung over Nadia's bed. In 2009, she was given a ladybird-themed brooch by her friend, and that's when she decided to start the collection. Nadia even has got a ladybird-shaped mobile phone, which is pretty amazing, and a ladybird coin from the Republic of the Congo, which is sent to her by a fan and features a ladybird sitting on a, on a clover leaf. Nadia herself says that she thinks she's got over 20,000 ladybird-related items and wants to open a museum at some point so that people can see her collection. And now that she's collecting ladybird-themed items to get into the Guinness Book of World Records, she often gets given them by well-wishers and supporters. So, the collection has come to grow very large. When she was asked about the collection, she said, When we were children, we believed that if you release a ladybird and let it fly free, any dream you make at this moment will become true. We considered it a positive sunny creature and a symbol of good luck. Ironically enough, I still believe in it. In Ukrainian, they've got a version of the Ladybird Fly Away Home Rhyme, which is very popular in the UK. It starts, Sonichka, Sonichka, or Ladybird, Ladybird. In Ukraine, different regional dialects have different words for ladybirds. For example, this rhyme can also be said using the word Bedrick, Bedrick, which, according to Google, translates as hippopotamus, and it's also used as a word for a ladybird. Bozhikorovki is also used in Ukraine to mean ladybird, although it's pronounced differently to Russian. But there are a lot of other regional words. These include Bezdrik, Zazolka, which apparently also means cuckoo, Suniko, Vedrik, Zviata Korovka, Boja Mati, Verbochka, Katerinka, Petrik, Ryabienki Veprik, Bobruna, Borushok, Brushka, Zolota Kozolka, Kavalik, Babochka, Zuchik, um, apparently that just means a beetle, Zhidoika, Vidmochka, Vorozhka, Dolya, Chizik, Zvedrik Bedrik, Chinchik Petrik, Petrik Bratyek, Sonichka Ronichka, Dosh Pochoda. Some of these names refer to a belief in ladybirds' ability to tell fortunes or predict the weather. Ukrainian folklorist Matvi Nomis, who lived during the 19th century, travelled around Ukraine and recorded many proverbs and customs around the country. One such proverb was a children's game of divination or predicting the weather. He said, quote, As the clouds begin to rise, the children, having caught the sun, i.e. the ladybird, pass it from hand to hand, saying the words to a sonichka sonichka rhyme. If it takes off and flies away, it will be sunny, and if it only spreads its wings and doesn't leave the hand, it will be cloudy again. Throughout Ukraine, there are a number of lyrics to the Ladybird Ladybird rhyme, which are popular regionally. For example, in the Poltava region, the lyrics are, according to Google Translate, Fly, fly, ladybird, on grandfather's field, on grandmother's potion, to our backyard. In the Kherson region, the lyrics are, Ladybird, ladybird, fly out the window, there are your children. They're drinking honey, but they don't give it to you. And in Ukraine... This rhyme is said to have a pagan origin and could even predate Christianity. So, somewhat disturbingly, a version of this rhyme 
was recorded, which went like this, referring to some of the wars that have happened in Ukrainian history. And I mention this rhyme not to endorse the message, but just for illustrative purposes. It goes like this. Ladybird, ladybird, look out the window because the Tartars are coming and you'll be killed and your children will be taken away. There are also Shedriki, which are Ukrainian folk songs, a little bit like Christmas carols, sort of sung around Christmas and New Year. And some of these Shedriki also mention ladybirds. And one of the lyrics goes like this. Shedrik bedrik, give dumplings, a lump of porridge, a ring of sausage. Not only that, give more lard, a little more, give flatbreads, or give me a sausage, I'll take it home. And if you give me a gut, then eat in comfort. Take out the books because you'll let the mouse into the house. Take out the sausage because it will ruin the whole house. Shedriki bedriki, give dumplings, mother said to give lard, and the father quarrelled so as not to delay. Because the calves will freeze. Shedrik Bedrik, give dumplings. Shedrik Bedrik, grey boar. From a spikelet comes a rye bowl. From a sheaf, a whole barrel. I have a pancake, a lump of porridge, a couple of eggs. So, it's obvious that ladybirds have a long place in Ukrainian history and folk traditions. And there are a significant number of legends surrounding ladybirds. Indeed, when researching this episode... I found that Sonichka or Ladybird is even a Ukrainian surname. In Crimea, which is now part of Russia, of course, but it's still considered as part of a Ukrainian territory, there is a guest house called Sonichka. Ukraine is a very agricultural country. In fact, it is one of the largest producers of grain in the world, if not the largest. Countries all over the world rely on the food that is exported from Ukraine, and this grain is often the target of pests such as aphids and mites. Therefore, ladybirds are incredibly important in getting rid of harmful pests in Ukraine, as they are for agriculture elsewhere in the world. Now, if you listened to episodes 39 and 40 on 1976, you might remember that I talked about the phenomenon of ladybug wash-ups that happened when ladybirds washed up near rivers and seas. And if not, then please go back and listen to it. In June 2021, there was a ladybird wash-up in Tuzliv in Ukraine, where after a series of hurricanes and storms, two million dead ladybirds, mostly seven spots, were counted. Ivan Rusev the head of the scientific department of Tuzliv Estuary National Park near Odessa said that they'd flown near the rivers and lakes to look for aphids in the marshy and grassy areas of the park, but unfortunately had died. Additionally, last year, holidaymakers in Odessa, which is a port on the Black Sea in southern Ukraine, reported more events similar to that infamous summer of 1976, where countless ladybirds descended on the resorts and there were even reports of ladybirds trying to bite people. According to entomologist Vladimir Monin, the ladybirds were picked up by airstreams and carried towards the eastern part of Odessa. Somewhat shockingly, they also noticed a huge brown spot in the water, and this spot turned out to be a huge collection of ladybirds that looked almost solid and had accumulated in a pile on the sea. And I'll link to this uh, to this picture it's on Instagram and it looks quite alarming 
There's also photos of ladybirds crawling all over the beach, into people's drinks at the seaside and so on. So what ladybirds do you find in Ukraine? The answer is quite a few. Although it's difficult to find a definitive list of species, according to the PESI portal, which is the Pan-European Species Directorate Infrastructure, about 84 different species of ladybird have been recorded in Ukraine and 80 of those have been definitively found and about four of those are kind of like recorded as doubtful. So it's 80 confirmed species and the other four have been found, but it's not known like if they're established or not. So the most recorded ladybird in Ukraine is the Harlequin ladybird. And the second most recorded is the seven spot. It also has quite a lot that we don't have. And the website inaturalist.org has a page, which I'll link to in the show notes, where people in Ukraine can upload their ladybird finds. And so far, they photographed 47 different species of ladybird. Most of these are ladybirds that are familiar to UK listeners. Some of them are less common, but are found in the UK. So, for example, you can find the two spot, the seven spot, the harlequin ladybird, the 16 spot, the 22 spot and more all over Ukraine. And similar issues with the harlequin ladybird and its impact on biodiversity and species such as the two spot due to its characteristics as an invasive species have happened in Ukraine, just like they have in other parts of Europe. It has become one of the most common ladybirds within a few years. You can also find lesser known ladybirds such as the five spot and the 18 spot, which I will talk about in an upcoming episode. In Ukrainian, the seven spot ladybird is called Sonochka Semikrapkovia. The two spot is called Sonochka Dvokrapkovia. I hope I've got the pronunciations right for both of those. So let's talk about a few of them that we haven't discussed on the show yet. For example, there is Paraxacomus nigromaculatus, or the flashlight shield ladybird. I couldn't find its name in Ukrainian, but I did find it in Norwegian, which is Lingmarahorne, as it's also found in Norway. This ladybird is almost completely black, apart from two reddish-brown cheeks by the side of the pronotum. You can find it in Central and Western Europe, It's been found a few times in the UK, but has never really established itself as a species. And I'm sure you will not be surprised that it eats aphids and scale insects. Let's look at another ladybird found in Ukraine, but not found in the UK. This ladybird is called Coxanula quattordesimpustulata. It's three to four millimetres long and has a total of 14 bright yellow spots on a black background. Again, It's a predatory ladybird that eats aphids and you can find these aphids in meadows and grasslands, which Ukraine has got a lot of. I couldn't find the Ukrainian name of the ladybird, but in Norwegian again, it's called Engmarahorna. Another ladybird that you can find in Ukraine is Hippodamia notata or the notated ladybird. It's a very variable ladybird and spot patterns can vary a lot. It's related to the Adonis ladybird, which gives it a sort of oval shape rather than the more rounded shape of, say, a harlequin or a seven spot. The colour of its elytra ranges from yellow to red 
and it can have around 11 spots which are often merged. It has a line going part way down the middle of the ladybird and then the line stops sort of um, maybe like a quarter of the way up and turns into a huge spot. There's a white ridge going around its pronotum and a very thin white line at the top of its wing cases and again it lives in grassland and eats aphids. Next we've got Bulia lichachovi. This ladybird is interesting because according to a study in Pakistan, it primarily eats plants and pollen, but it also eats aphids. It is a grey or yellowish colour usually, although it's polymorphic and sometimes these ladybirds can be completely black. But they also come in a red or pinkish colour. It can have up to 19 black spots, which are often merged and the pronotum is white. It is often found on young apple trees and can also drink clematis nectar, among other things. One other ladybird you can find in Ukraine is Oenopia conglobata. This is a very common ladybird in Europe, but not in the UK. On the iNaturalist website, it's referred to as the popular ladybird. I have mentioned it before on the show, on the episode of Oenopia shokuhensis, which is a close relative of. If you remember, you can tell them apart because Oenopia shokuhensis has two spots and it's got an orangey colour as well as differences within the genitalia. And if you've not listened to that episode before, I would really recommend going back and listening to it because I found it a fascinating one to research since that ladybird was only discovered very, very recently. So this popular ladybird is a pinkish colour. It's got eight black square spots on either side and it's between four and five millimetres long. You can find them in forests or on poplar trees, as the name suggests. They also live in pine trees, larch trees and bird cherries. And of course, they eat aphids. The iNaturalist website gives quite an extensive list of ladybirds, which their members have recorded in Ukraine. So if you're interested, have a look for yourself. I'll put the details in the show notes. There's also reports of people in Ukraine finding the rare ladybird Coccinella sorcerati, which I talked about in a bonus episode of the show, and among others, including the little arboreal ladybird, Calvia decimgatata, and there's also Oenopia lincea, which is another relative of, um, of the poplar ladybird, and many more. There's also quite a lot of inconspicuous ladybirds found in Ukraine, and because these are under-recorded generally, there's probably likely to be absolutely loads. So go check it out, basically. It's really, really fascinating. But unfortunately, we have all heard the horrific news about what is happening in Ukraine. While I'm recording this, Kyiv is being bombed and there has just been a horrific destruction of a TV station outside Kyiv. I think something like 70 Ukrainian soldiers have been killed in an airbase recently and many areas of Ukraine are now left without water and electricity. And I want to say this, any time a war happens, the destruction of the environment also becomes a weapon of war. So, for example... In episode 36, when I had Marzim Kumzia on the show and he was talking about the destruction of Palestinian wetlands and the diversion of water to Israel and the damage to the environment that that caused in Palestine. When I had Marzin on the show, he talked about how hundreds of species were destroyed or endangered 
by Israeli government policies and how the conflict in the country and the exploitation of natural resources had a very negative impact on the environment as well as the people. So, not only has this happened in Palestine, but now in Ukraine, you can see how farmland and grassland are now also being destroyed by Russian bombs. And you can see how the habitats for wildlife are also being destroyed by these bombs. For example, I watched a video of a tree being set on fire by a missile strike. And there are also reports of cargo ships being sunk and pipelines carrying oil and gas having been damaged. Recently, Putin has also been talking about using nuclear weapons. And if you don't know, nuclear weapons are completely indiscriminate and they destroy everything or almost everything in the vicinity, leaving whatever is left with harmful effects for years or potentially decades. And, I mean, what can I say? Like, we all hope that this doesn't happen, but but that is that is something that I hate to say that he's been talking about quite a lot. It is very concerning, and I just hope that it doesn't come to that. But... Another weapon that he's said to have used in Ukraine is thermobaric weapons, which can destroy everything around the area of the blast and are very deadly in built-up areas. These are vacuum bombs, and what, how they work is they suck up the oxygen around the explosion when they explode. So, when a war starts, and there are large-scale movements of vehicles, for example tanks, or, for example, people in their cars trying to get out or, like, lots of soldiers running around. This can cause damage to sensitive landscapes. You can imagine that a huge amount of pollution would get caused by debris and rubble, but also noise and light pollution. And this is even without the fact that these uh, thermobaric bombs or these uh, nukes that, that Putin has been on about could get used. And recently, we've had the capture of the Chernobyl nuclear power plant and the activity and the fighting around the Chernobyl reactor, which, as it goes on, could have the potential to stir up radioactive dust and spread it to new areas. That brings me to the next point I wanted to mention. The Chernobyl nuclear disaster happened in the 1980s, and it involved a reactor in Chernobyl blowing up and there was a fire and it failed and a lot of people died. And since then, the area had to be evacuated by humans. And to some extent, there's been some publicity in the news about how this area has been reclaimed by nature. It's become deserted. It's, you know, plants have regrown where they weren't before. But the problem is... While I don't know the effects on ladybirds specifically, the radiation released by Chernobyl did actually have an effect on some insect populations, such as leaf bugs. And there's even a Swiss activist, Cornelia Hesse Honegger, who has made paintings of deformed leaf bugs, which she found in the vicinity of Chernobyl, which were affected by the radiation. And there's even a suggestion that because Ukraine has got other nuclear reactors which work, that this war could actually have an impact on that and just let's just hope that it, that it doesn't. So there's been fighting in the Black Sea Biosphere Reserve, which is the largest protected area in Ukraine and a listed wetland. 
the environmental damage caused by this war will not be easily reversed. And of course, to fight the war, the military must use a large amount of fuel, which burns CO2 into the atmosphere. And when explosions and airstrikes happen, this just creates more pollution and more carbon emissions. It's been found that even low-level conflict can cause declines in wildlife. And as people struggle to find food to survive, this can lead to an increase in unsustainable hunting, as it has in certain conflicts in Africa and the Middle East, and this disrupts the food chain. Armed conflict degrades habitats and leads to a loss of biodiversity, and also disrupts research, and it leads to the overexploitation of natural resources. And I know it might seem kind of weird to be talking about this during a war with so many people dying, but the environmental impact this is all going to have on Ukraine is going to be around for generations to come. The toxins that go into the soil could poison plants and animals, and it means that it's more difficult for these habitats to be maintained. Also, after the war, understandably, people just want to focus on rebuilding the country and not necessarily on the environment, which is completely understandable. Like People just want to get back to their rebuilding their homes that have been ruined and everything. There's also the fact that a war completely disrupts research into conservation. It makes it impossible for any of this sort of um, research to be carried out because you can't go around studying any wildlife or like finding any <laughs> any ladybirds or recording their numbers or behaviour or anything like that when another country is trying to illegally invade and occupy yours. At any moment, you could be risking your life. The buildings, the landscape that you're working on might not even exist the next day. The Centre for Biology and Hydrology, which, as you may know, is the centre running Professor Helen Roy's UK Ladybird Survey, has condemned the Russian invasion. The statement they issued said, quote, UK CEH deplores Russia's attack on Ukraine and we are deeply concerned about the well-being of our Ukrainian research colleagues and staff at partner organisations. We have a long history of monitoring in the Chernobyl exclusion zone in Ukraine. The Russian invasion has a direct impact on many of our colleagues, families and friends. Our thoughts are with everyone affected by this war. The Russian invasion is also an attack on the fundamental values on which academic freedom and academic cooperation are based. We express our support to Ukrainian researchers around the world. Hashtag stand with Ukraine. And I also want to say that I included that bit at the start about the different words for ladybirds in Ukrainian dialects and the different songs about ladybirds in traditional Ukrainian culture because a big part of Putin's propaganda is to say that Ukraine is not a country and it's actually a part of Russia and that the only reason it exists as a country is because of Lenin, which is completely bizarre. Obviously, we know that this is completely false. Ukraine's got its own language and it's got a long history with um, many interesting folk tales and sort of sayings and so on. So, what can we do? I've put some links in the show notes which give information on how to help Ukrainian refugees as well as information from the Ukrainian government about which animals are found in the country. I'm also including a link to the iNaturalist project Ladybirds in Ukraine, and if you're in Ukraine, 
or you visited the country before or took a photo of a ladybird when you visited there, maybe you can upload it and um, sort of expand the, the knowledge base. Another thing you can do is on that website, if you're looking around for different pictures of animals, which you might like to do, or different pictures of insects, and you see a photo that someone's uploaded from Ukraine of an insect or an animal, and you happen to know what it is, but there's no identification for it, you can actually support scientific research by helping to identify that animal, as some Ukrainian naturalists are still recording wildlife even in the middle of a war. So the Oronopia shokuhensis ladybird, which was discovered in Iran, it was discovered by Mehdi Zarekhodmizi, and the person who took that photo of the ladybird that I used in the episode, Alexander Slutsky, was actually a photographer based in Ukraine. And I'm going to put a link there to his website. So my podcast recommendation for this week, I've actually got two of them. So Medusa.io produces very, very good independent journalism from inside Russia. Unfortunately, they're under threat of Putin shutting them down. They produce a very good podcast called The Naked Pravda, which features interviews with Russian journalists and activists and another one called Sto Sluchilis, which means what's happening in Russian. I've lived in Russia and I know that the opposition to Putin is in a very desperate state right now, with people being arrested just for protesting against the war and Putin even banned the word war from the media. So it would really help a lot if you could donate to Medusa and support independent journalism. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you, if you didn't actually enjoy it, at least you found it interesting. I'm going to put all the sources in the show notes as well as places for you to donate to and learn about more about the ladybirds of Ukraine. And I do hope that listening to this episode has made you think about Ukraine in a different way rather than just thinking about the war. If you like this show and want to support me, you can buy me a coffee on Ko-fi, co-v.com slash hwab podcast you can follow me on twitter at hwab podcast or on instagram at 365.ladybird or like my facebook page hidden wings and bloodlust you can follow me on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and music is by deborah torrance everyone please take care stay safe and goodbye for now